all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Good morning, everybody. We will be taking your calls live this hour concerning any kind of health care issues or topics that you need answered. If you would like to call us, you can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or if you're not able to call, you can always send us an email. Send those emails to remedy at mpbonline.org. Hope everybody is out and enjoying this wonderful, sunny weather. A little bit of a colder reminder that winter has uh, is not quite left the area. So it's... Uh, not like Elvis. It hadn't left the building yet, but uh, certainly that's normally go through during this time in Mississippi and in the South. And uh, But it always feels a little bit better if you can uh, feel that sunshine. Uh, plenty of time to talk about your health care issues this morning. I do want to encourage you to call in early. Uh, last week we had a great, I uh, had a lot of calls that came in, and unfortunately we weren't able to get to all of them. Uh, but we would encourage you to call in earlier in the hour because it seems like we always have a little bit more time uh, to spend on individual calls and to get to everybody. So, again, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you didn't catch a program or maybe you caught half of it and you want to go back and listen to it, you can always go to our archives on our website, mpbonline.org. Just search for Southern Remedy, and you can go to the date of a past program and tune in to all of it. Sometimes you just don't quite get what somebody is saying. We understand that, of people coming in and out of things. Uh, one note about emails, too. We try to respond to those directly, but we also like to share those from time to time with our listening audience um, as we see uh, fit, you know, if, if we have a, a question that we think is more applicable to the general audience. We'll do that unless you tell us to... Uh, to not do that, but um, I just uh, just wanted to throw that out there too. Well, a lot of things in the news today um, about a new uh, another vaccine that we have against coronavirus. Uh, as most of you know, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have been approved by the FDA for emergency use authorization. So that's not uh, the that's basically an emergency situation. They can approve things. Uh, without having all of the safety and efficacy data, uh, efficacy just means how how well it works. Um, so both of those, of course, have been approved uh, since uh, really uh, early December and have been pretty successful so far, both in uh, preventing some of the numbers that we're seeing uh, that we were seeing spikes of during that time period, and then also 
with how safe they are. And now we have one more, and you may ask, well, why do we need one more vaccine? Well, because of two reasons. The biggest one is with Moderna and Pfizer, they are two-dose vaccines. So uh, one is, uh, you know, depending on which one you're talking about, three or four weeks after getting the first dose, you have to get the second dose for it to work effectively. Both of them are, are very effective in preventing coronavirus, about 95% effective. But uh, it does, it is a bit of a hassle. And those of you who have gotten vaccines know, in a lot of cases, it's, it's a little bit challenging to get that second dose. You may have had to go to different sites. Um, again, every state's doing a little bit differently, the population of people that are getting those. The newest vaccine, which is made by Johnson Johnson, uh, it's called the Janssen vaccine, which is a one-dose vaccine. Uh, so you only have to get one dose of it. You don't have to get another booster. Uh, and it is pretty effective, not quite as effective as Moderna and Pfizer. Again, those were about 95% effective. But the Johnson Johnson one is about 66% effective. But for those patients who have gotten coronavirus after receiving the vaccine, uh, they uh, none of those really develop some of the more severe symptoms. So even if you get it with this second, you know, with this newest vaccine, um, in that in that about a third of patients who got the vaccine ended up still getting coronavirus, but they didn't have a severe uh, a course of that. So um, with that, and uh, recently, last couple of days, uh approved by the FDA for emergency use authorization. So probably be seeing that out in the community. And again, it's a little bit, it's a whole lot easier, actually, if you just have one dose. Um, and another advantage of it, because of how it's made and a little bit of the differences of it, you don't have to refrigerate that to the super cool um, uh, temperatures that you do with Moderna and especially Pfizer. So that means you can uh, refrigerate it in a normal refrigerator. This will allow it to be distributed in clinics um, more widely throughout the state and it can uh, keep for a lot longer. So those are some of the advantages of it. Uh, it is a little bit different. It uses an adenovirus. That's a common virus uh, that is uh, uh, causes the common cold that's been weakened and changed, um, but it basically it uh, it it has the protein that spike protein that we've all heard about, to where your body can develop antibodies against that. So the final end product is the same type of mechanism. So it uses a little bit um, a little bit different method of delivery uh, to the cells. But you can't get coronavirus from this vaccine. You can't get adenovirus from this vaccine, so you don't have that. There are some side effects that are a little bit um, a little bit similar to um, some of the uh, previous uh, vaccines. So it tends to be sort of uh, you know sort of the the uh, common cold, sort of the muscle aches and pains, headache tends to be a common side effect with that, and a couple of other ones. But really safe and effective. All right, let's go to our first caller. I believe we've got Kelton on the line in Rankin County. Good morning, Kelton. What's your question this morning? So you hear a lot about Johnson & Johnson. Um, no one hospitalized uh, or uh, no deaths from it. Is Moderna and uh, Pfizer the same way? Is it uh, the same same efficacy on that? Yeah, it's, it's about the same, although the, the numbers of people who are 
um, who are affected by that with the Pfizer and Moderna, because you're only talking about 5% of the people who get it, uh, who get the vaccine, would end up contracting the virus. And that's really high. I mean, that's a, that's a high number of 95% effective is really a great, a great vaccine. Um, but yeah, it, it's that you don't have as many people to study that with as the third of the people who got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So it's a little bit hard early on to say it's exactly the same, but, um, but yeah, it's about the same with that. The, again, the biggest advantages is storage and, and that vaccine and with Johnson and Johnson's easier. And it's just a one-time uh, uh, vaccination dose to get it. So, um, but yeah, comparable to what you would see with Moderna and Pfizer. Okay, last quick question. Uh, so I just got my vaccination this morning. I got Moderna, and you said you know so you might be feeling some side effects. Uh, just uh, Advil, Tylenol for those. Yeah. Now, some infectious disease experts would tell you don't take that unless you have the symptoms because it might blunt your immune response in some way. But it should be fine. You know, that's the same kind of advice as a pediatrician that we would give for, um, you know, for immunizations that we give to kids is if you want to dose a Tylenol or ibuprofen before, right before you get that, that's fine. And I've known people that did that and they were just fine, you know, afterwards. Um, uh, You know, with Moderna and Pfizer, again, muscle aches and pains, maybe a mild fever um, and uh, headache is common, and fatigue tends to be the most common side effect that I'm seeing in my patients that are getting it. But yeah, that's fine if you want to take a dose of Tylenol or Advil or Motrin. One of the, any of those would be fine uh, before you take the before you take the vaccine. All right, thank you, sir. All right, thank you for calling. I appreciate that. Number to call if you have a question about anything doesn't have to be uh, COVID related is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Another thing in the news, particularly in Mississippi, uh, you know, uh, several states in the last couple of days lifted their mask uh, mandates and uh, sort of left it up to individual communities and people to um, to decide that. And although our numbers are extremely low, we are real thankful for that. I can tell you in the healthcare setting, uh, we, you know, after 12 months, uh, even with some lulls in between, uh, particularly for our critical care and emergency uh, department uh, personnel, um, there's, uh, people have just gotten slaughtered with, uh, with, with COVID patients uh, coming in. Just, uh, it's, it's been overwhelming emotionally and physically. Uh, so we're very glad and, uh, and thankful that those numbers are coming down. Uh, and hopefully that equates to uh, less uh, deaths, which is really the thing that uh, should impact all of us is to have less deaths from COVID. Uh, but I don't want anybody to be laxed into some feeling that this is totally over. There are other variants that are out there, most notably the uh, variant that was first identified in England and in South Africa. It is projected that that variant is going to be the dominant form of COVID-19 in this country by the end of the month. To date, it looks like our vaccinations are effective against that. But for the people who are not vaccinated right now, 
um, is much, much more contagious. It's much more easier to transmit that one. So the best way to do that is to continue to wear those masks when you're in public places and don't gather with large groups of people. And, you know, as the weather gets much better and uh, we, we think about all kinds of different things that we would normally do, you just need to keep that in mind. We're not out of the We've seen an incredible decrease in cases and that is awesome and we're all excited about that but we need to to really think about that particularly as these other variants are out there i'm dr jimmy stewart thanks for listening to the original southern remedy podcast you can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org for a regular dose of medical information subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your health care questions and trying to point you in the right direction if we can. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Jim, who's been patiently waiting in Jackson. Jim, thank you for calling. What's your question this morning? Good morning. I've had the two-shot Moderna uh, vaccine. Would there be any value in and another few weeks also getting the J&J vaccine on top of the Moderna? Yeah, Jim, that, that we, we don't know that. We don't think that that would be necessary. Again, if you've got Moderna 95-plus percent of the time, you should be protected. So uh, that combined with just being careful with those other things, uh, you know, with masks and, and trying to stay away a little bit, there's not really any benefit that we know of from getting that. That does bring up an interesting question, though, because in the U.K., they have started to test some combinations of vaccines. Um, and you would think if you hit it a little bit differently that you might can increase the e- effectiveness of it. But we don't know enough about that yet. Um, you know, if there are va- – I'm not aware of a vaccine trial in the U.S. There probably there, – there may be one that, that combines vaccines like that, but we just don't know. But from what you got right now, you should be fairly well protected. Um, you know, again, keep in mind, too, that sort of the, the way the trials have looked at this, uh, two weeks after that, that second dose is pretty much when you'd be protected. Don't let it lull you into just going out there and going full blast. But, um, but that yeah, you should be fine and shouldn't need to take the other vaccine. I got a flu shot in early September. Is there any value in getting another flu shot, or is one flu shot sufficient to take me through the season? That that should take you through the season. It's interesting. We haven't seen as many cases of flu, and that's probably because, uh, well, vaccination is one. 
But the other is the mask. Uh, it does work to not only against COVID, uh, is to is to prevent that as well. But yeah, one one in the same season, you should be fine. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, Jim, for calling. We're going to go to Rachel in Starkville. Good morning, Rachel. What's your question this morning? Good morning. Uh, my question is: Can IBS disturbances cause irregular heartbeat? Like okay. diarrhea, yeah. for instance. Yeah, so so S stands for irritable bowel syndrome. So this is a and there's there's three different forms of it. One is associated with symptoms of diarrhea, and all all of three of those categories they have uh, cramping, abdominal cramping, and and discomfort that can come and go. One type is just uh, having diarrhea with that. One is constipation, and one is sort of a mix. Um, there are a couple of different medications to treat that. It's not a debilitating disease. It's not like some of the other gastroent. Well, I should not say debilitating. It is horrible. That, to me, that's one of the worst discomforts that you can have is GI distress. So for the individual, it is. But from a long-term standpoint, it typically does not cause any problems and typically doesn't cause anything like weight loss. Um, as far as an arrhythmia or an irregular heart rate with that, if you have enough diarrhea to where you're uh, dehydrated, certainly that can affect your heart rate. And if you're prone to have arrhythmias, uh, you know, like a, some of the more common ones are uh, supraventricular tachycardia, which is a fast heart rate that originates in the upper chambers of the heart or atrial fibrillation, which also uh, is in the upper chambers, then, yeah, it could affect that. But usually IBS doesn't cause severe enough diarrhea to cause those kinds of things. If you combine it with, say, not drinking enough or if you're outside and you get dehydrated uh, during, during the hotter parts of the year, then certainly that could that could impact it. But uh, usually IBS alone wouldn't do that. So if you're having symptoms like that, you may want to check with your physician to get them to check you out, probably do an EKG, maybe a, a little bit further testing of like a heart monitor test uh, or even a, a referral to a cardiologist. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Rachel, for calling. To Marcy in Bay St. Louis down south. Thank you for calling. Marcy, what's your question this morning? Hi, I just had my first dose this morning of the Pfizer vaccine, and I just wondered if there's any protection afforded from your first dose or if you don't get any benefit until after your second one. And I'll hang up and listen. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a common question. Um so uh, with the two-dose vaccines, and this, this, would, this would apply to both Pfizer and Moderna, once you get that first vaccine, your body starts uh, recognizing those spike proteins and making antibodies against them. Uh, it is effective to just get one dose. It's not as effective as getting that second dose. And, uh, it, I mean, that's the whole reason for giving that. But about, you know, they do study this and look at both antibody levels and the people who were exposed to COVID uh, and uh, who were vaccinated after that first dose, how many of them, you know, got the vaccine. So at about two weeks after getting the first dose for Pfizer, you're about uh, 60, 65% protected. Um, and that, uh, you know, goes up significantly with that second dose to 95%. So, uh, yeah, you do have at least a little bit. And a lot of people interrupt that second dose. I know I've had a lot of patients say, hey, I got sick. I was in the hospital. 
um, for something else? What do I do, uh, you know, with, with to get that uh, to get that second dose? So, um, so it's you know that that's something to keep in mind too. But um, you are a little bit protected, but you do want to get that second dose to boost your immune system. And it, it's not just antibody production; it's your cellular immunity too. So there are cells that have long-term memory of those uh, what you're exposed to. So that's sort of the science behind it. Yeah, that's do you get a little bit at least. Well, thanks for that question, Marcy. We're going to move on. This is uh, Southern Remedy on MPB. The number to call is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Weston in Oxford. Good morning, Weston. What's your question this morning? Hey, um, so with the new the, the lifting of the mask mandate based on the lowered numbers of infections and, and deaths from COVID nineteen, I'm just curious. It seems coinc- just strange that it's happening two weeks after a winter storm where people were just locked in in the first place. And like, it might be a little early considering this sort of extenuating circumstance that could really be the true cause of that to, to lift a mask mandate. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, Weston, we had, it's funny. I've had these, well, not funny, but coincidentally I've had these discussions at work and with other people too, that just about thinking about that. And if you look at the dynamics of, of movement within the population, you know, we've we've seen when spikes have occurred in holidays or other traditional times where people got together and interacted in in groups of people, um, you know, during certain times of the year. So holidays where you would be traveling to somebody else's house, and if you had COVID, you may even not know you had COVID, you would spread it. So during the winter storm, everybody was sort of confined to their own house. So it does make sense that that would be a time period when you would have less cases you'd have less transmission of the virus and usually that would you know it takes a while for you after your exposure to develop symptoms so the mean time period is four to five days after the maximum about two weeks so you got to think about those things i think that's why our uh you know the healthcare uh experts uh why they're uh, advising to that we need a little cautious about that and see that over a time period. If you'll remember um, way back when in last summer, when there was there was the initial CDC guidelines for um, for some of the mandates of social distancing, mask, and so forth, and when you might could lift those, and most of those had a two week window where you would look at them going down, uh, and and a little bit longer with that and have a stepwise approach to it. Um, so, yeah, I think that you, you have to think about that. And that's just some of the reasons a lot of people would say, well, yeah, the numbers are going down. We can lift everything. Let's go wide open, full blast. We're back to normal finally. Thank goodness um, that we that we can get back to normal without, and we may have even a little bit of animosity towards some of the, the health officials that are saying, wait a minute, maybe we need to, to have a little bit of caution with this and have a stepwise approach. So, Weston, you, you bring up some of those issues. Uh, I, I can tell you've been thinking about it, and uh, it's, you know, human movement with infectious diseases increases your transmission exponentially. So if you if you understand that, it makes sense that when people are not moving around, by definition, you're going to have lower, uh, you're going to have lower uh, rates of that. So I think that's an excellent point to bring up. 
All right. Let's go to Renee in Utica. Good morning, Renee. Thank you for calling. Yes, I would like to know, is spring bottled water better than purified bottled water? I hang up on the uh, well, phone. Yeah, yeah. So, so the types of water, you know, like purified or bottled water, um, you know, that's uh, we talked about, about that a little bit last week. Uh, you know, what's better for you? And there's a lot of debate in this area. Now, purified water or distilled water, there's different ways of doing it. If you want to get all the bad stuff, if we want to think about that uh, from that standpoint, like bacteria and viruses and parasites, those are the three living organisms or, you know, viruses aren't truly living, but they can certainly make you sick. Then there's several different ways to purify it. You can have basically a filter that filters it out. Uh, that's a physical filter. You can use reverse osmosis to do that. You can have distilled water where you actually boil it and collect the distillate, which uh, which condenses on something. Uh, all of those are great methods for doing that. And then there's other things in water that can harm you. So there are things like heavy metals or uh, waste products. There's all kinds of different things in water that leaches out of the ground into our uh, water tables and water sources that we have to either uh, chemically get out or that we have to or out or distill. Um, so all of that, you know, is is a, is good. Uh, but what we lose in a lot of that are some of the minerals that are uh, dissolved in water. And there's a there's a whole subset of of research and people that say, you know. If you lose that, you really lose a lot of the good things that are in water that we used to get with well water and clean water sources. Um, not a whole lot uh, of heavy evidence in that area, enough to say, yeah, absolutely, we need some of those those things in water. And then the pH of a lot of people have gone back and forth about that, about what's appropriate. It doesn't harm your body in any way, as far as you know, it won't, it's not going to change your pH. A lot of people, I think, are, have this wrong conception about if you have, you know, more acidic water, it's going to make your body acidic. The only time it would do that is if your kidneys aren't functioning properly uh, to, to help regulate that. So the body has great mechanisms to uh, keep that in check. Um, but um, but it, it can change the dissolved portion of things in water. So lead is a good example. So if your water is really alkaline, um, you know, over a pH of about 7.6 to 7.8, once it gets more than that, uh, more alkaline, then you have uh, you can have more lead that's dissolved in that and other things. So you have to sort of keep an eye on that. But yeah, if you want to, you know, bottle water, that's fine. A lot of of water sources uh, from the tap uh, are perfectly fine. Now, if your water broke like mine did and uh, you lost water water pressure, then uh, you know yeah, that's that's a different uh, different um, situation. But for the most part, those are okay. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, 
I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Riveting on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning, taking your calls. Got some great questions and uh, this morning. And as always, we really appreciate you listening to us. And even more, those who call in with those questions if you don't think that you have anything to say, or maybe your question is one in isolation, I can guarantee you there are lots of people out there that are thinking the same. Thank you for calling in. You can always call in at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, we're going to go to Nick in, I believe it's Tavi. Good morning, Nick. What's your question? Dr. Jimmy, how are you doing? Got a question. Good. Well, I got a got a comment. We take right. a flu shot. We take a flu shot every year because the flu mutates from year to year. Now, right now, we are taking two shots for the COVID uh, va- uh, virus. Now, will there be a mutation on that, and will we have to start taking uh, like this fall? Will we have to have another shot because of the mutation? Yeah, that's a that's a great observation and question, Nick. And uh, you hit the nail on the head. You know, flu because we have different we have several different types of flu, uh, and every year because flu has animal reservoirs. That just means that flu lives in animals and it lives in people, and it replicates itself um, in both of those groups. And depending on the mixture of all those different components that's basically what they use to build the flu vaccine for the next year uh, based on those patterns so it's a bit of a guessing game it's gotten a lot better than it uh, used to as far as the the how well the efficacy of it now with covid we know the coronaviruses as a group there's lots of them they're they've been here a long time uh, they were first described back in the 50s and 60s and uh, they, they are the ma- some of the major players for the common cold. About 80% of the common cold is, um, is, uh, uh, every year is caused by coronaviruses. So um, we know that every virus, if you put pressure on it, it's going to mutate. It's going to self-select out those uh, variants who, that work better and elude uh, some of the mechanisms, whether that is a medication to treat it, whether that is uh, maybe vaccination rates, um, so against certain parts of it. So you can bet that there are going to be some, some different types of it, like the types that we're seeing coming out of England and South America and Brazil right now, so, uh, and now the United States. So you can, you can bet on that. Now, the real question is, and, and we, nobody really has this answer, but <clears throat> is – the vaccine or the vaccinations that we're currently getting, are they going to be effective against some of those mutations? 
Uh, and how long is that protection going to be? And we just don't know. Um, you really don't know that until you have enough data to support that. And I'll say the normal vaccination um, um, uh, process of the, the development of it uh, and the study of it takes years. And it's exactly one of the reasons is so that you can see how well they're going to work. So we don't have that. It was enough of a problem that we've, you know, that we these were released with that emergency use authorization uh, in this country and other countries early so that we don't have that data. So only time will tell that. And that'll be from data of those people who got the vaccine, uh, like myself. Um, I've, I opted to roll in, enroll in the, uh, the Be Safe program, which Ask those kinds of questions, not only about any potential side effects that you had when you took it, but ongoing. So every couple of weeks I get an email, I get a text, and I go to a website and fill out a couple of questions. One of those questions is, have you been exposed to COVID? Uh, did you get COVID? So that they can continue to track that. Um, so I don't know. A lot of people are saying it probably until we, you know, have changed things worldwide uh, with coronavirus enough. Uh, that uh, we, we may have to get this yearly like the flu vaccine, but nobody really knows that. We don't know how it's going to, to react to that. What we do know so far is particularly Moderna and Pfizer that they're very effective against all strains that are out there. Um, uh, you know, some of the other ones are being released and developed. Uh, certainly we don't have as much information, but as we do, uh, hopefully that will help answer those questions. But uh, don't know yet, but that's a possibility. You shouldn't just think, well, why should I get it? You know, if we're going to get this every year, why is it even effective? It is effective, but year to year, it may change depending on how the virus changes. So, in essence, what you're saying is, no, we don't know for the future. But my question is, the two inoculations we are taking right now, will it cover the mutations that are present Right now. Right. Yeah. And the answer to that is yes. So all the evidence we have so far of what we know is out there that this that the Moderna and Pfizer are very effective against all of those. Yeah. Okay. That answers my question now. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for your show. Yes, sir, Nick. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Gabe in Ridgeland. Good morning, Gabe. What's your question this morning? Morning, morning. I can give me great answers to our questions. Really, really, really appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to a question that was asked a couple calls back about water. I'm an old uh, grocery manager, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, the answer to the question of which water is the best uh, to as far as drinking water, distilled absolutely. Distilled the distillation process is the best way to get rid of all that all those minerals and all the bacteria and anything that you don't want out of the water, and especially the taste. You get the purest taste with distilled water. But I wanted to point out, as someone who is um, an avid coffee drinker, if you're using water to make coffee, do not want to use distilled water because those minerals that are in purified water, they bind with the coffee grounds, and they give you a much more full and robust flavor. So if you're brewing coffee, don't use distilled water. And I wanted to add one more anecdote before I leave. As someone who worked as a manager for Nukes for a long time, 
one of the reasons why Nukes is able to claim that it has true New York-style pizza is they actually use New York City municipal water in the dough-making process at Nukes because New York has one of the absolute purest municipal water sources in the entire country. Wow, I did I did not know that, Gabe, about uh, about nukes. So that's uh, good information there, huh? Well, that's interesting. And you, you know, Gabe, you, so you are a connoisseur of water. I can tell uh, that. Uh, but water does a, where water comes from and how it's used. And particularly, people don't think about coffee or cooking or thing. Certainly, it, it can affect the taste of different different foods. Uh, depending on how it's used and um, and what it comes into contact with, so I think you're right. And um, uh, uh, you know, bar I think is the way. I probably murdered that. I don't speak French, uh, but it has to do with the soil, where you come from, and even you know where foods grow, and and that can include the water for those for those foods as well that really changes the taste of them. You know, I was fortunate enough to go to, uh, to Italy several years ago. And, um, I, I don't care what you, you could bring back all kinds of seeds from an area, but once you plant it and it grows in a different climate and different soils, it may be a little bit like that, but it's not totally like that. You do lose that. Uh, but so that's interesting that you said that about the, the water source being from, uh, from New York, uh, New York City. So that's uh, that is interesting. So thanks for that comment, and uh, and uh, uh, certainly uh, hope that helps everybody out there. You know, water's certainly different wherever it uh, wherever it originates. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are a Yucca Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freak me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Wizzy this morning answering your questions about the health of yourself or somebody in your family or maybe it's uh, some friend that you have that you're just wanting to ask those health care questions for. Appreciate all the questions we've had so far in the hour. If you didn't get to uh, call in so far, if you don't get to call in uh, during the hour that we're live, you can always send us an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to go to Monty, who's on the road. Good morning, Monty. What's your question this morning? Well, I just want to make a comment about the water that, uh, you know, any bagel places labels New York-style bagels or probably a pizza place like the one guy said. If they're really good, they probably import the water, so you'll get some differences, like that guy was saying about the water. 
makes a lot of difference. And it's probably like that for other places. And also about COVID, you know, everybody's starting to get the vaccinations and all these people that don't want to, mainly for political reasons, they're kind of painting themselves in a corner because once everybody's vaccinated, I guess we're going to be the group that's vulnerable and the percentage are going to get sick. Percentage won't, but there's going to be a percentage to do and all the stuff that comes along with that. And that's just a comment I wanted to make. Yeah, Monty, that's that's good points, and uh, that is new information. I didn't think about that. It makes perfect sense with the um, with the uh, you know water using different water sources for different foods. Uh, back to, to the COVID uh, comment, I, I think that's one you know you got to keep in mind. That's why it's it's important that we you know try to vaccinate all adults um, as many as possible. We really need that seventy to eighty percent of the population to really get that herd immunity where we're protecting the vulnerable people. Uh, there will be some people that for some small reasons may not can get a vaccine. Uh, if it's a medical reason for that, a lot more people uh, have some concerns about it. We're trying to answer those, not just on the air here, but I do that in clinic every week, uh, you know, and, and other calls from, from patients. Um, but I, yeah, it, I think you're right. And unfortunately, there's still areas of the state uh, where it is really difficult for people to get a vaccine. Like it is difficult from a transportation standpoint, or maybe they don't have the means to really sign up for it. Uh, there's still a big push by uh, by the state to get vaccines out there. That's another reason why, you know, having one that, yeah, it may not be as effective as Moderna or Pfizer, but it is going to be something we can get to somebody um, uh, who may not can get that vaccine. Yeah, I, I'm encouraging everybody to get it. In fact, they are looking at some trials uh, closer to the summer and, and fall at looking at this in kids, um, if it's, you know, particularly from a safety standpoint, because we know kids can get uh, COVID. Uh, they are oftentimes have very minimal symptoms or, or, or asymptomatic uh, I have seen some children, though, that had very severe symptoms that were hospitalized and uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, died. Uh, but um, they're, you know, they they can transmit that. Just because you don't have symptoms doesn't mean you can't give it to somebody else. So they're looking at some trials down to about first grade um, so that you, we may see that. We may see, you know, an increased uh, push to get uh, vaccinations to that that group as well, uh, probably not before the fall or even next year, really. But um, uh, we are always very careful about vaccinations in kids and to make sure, from a safety standpoint, that they're uh, they're uh, taken care of. Uh, same thing with, with we'll have more data in adults by that that time period too, just with all the people who were vaccinated. So, if you're thinking about getting vaccinated, I got vaccinated. I'm advocating that my patients get vaccinated. I think we've got enough safety data, particularly for Pfizer and Moderna, to say go ahead with that. As I mentioned early on in the hour, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine <clears throat> has a lot of advantages, particularly just getting one shot. Uh, it seems to be effective, and it seems to protect against more of a severe course with COVID. So I would, uh, I would really advise everybody to do that, particularly if you're in a group you're an older individual over the age of, of 65, uh, if you have any kind of chronic health condition, particularly obesity and hypertension seem to be the two that uh, uh, are uh, can cause some of the more severe side effects. But really, 
any type of chronic disease uh, that that you may have. Uh, diabetes is another one that you you probably need to get that vaccine. And if you're in a minority group, if you are uh, African American or Hispanic or Native American, those are all three uh, groups of people who uh, who have had worse outcomes. So if you can, I would encourage you to get vaccine, particularly if you're in those groups. Uh, but if you're not, if you want to protect other people, that's yet another way to do it. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I would get the vaccination for myself if it just depended on my health, but I really do that and I wear my mask for other people. I, you know, some people have questioned me, why are you wearing a mask if you're out and about? And I tell them, hey, I'm trying to protect you. Uh, if if by chance I'm in that 5% of people who were vaccinated that don't have um uh, you know, immunity to it. I want to make sure I'm still protecting other people. So that's the choice I make. Um, and I, you know, do that to, uh, for the protection of those out there. And I appreciate the, the calls that people are really thinking about this and thinking about all the consequences of it. I really do think that, uh, you know, as Mississippians, one of the things I've loved about our state is when there are bad times, uh, like if a hurricane comes through on the coast, We've got people all over the state that go down and help out in the, in in whatever the region is. This is a this isn't something that should divide us um, about how we react to this. It should be, should be something that that the rest of the nation uh, really looks to us and said, you know, Mississippians came together. That's the thing that I would like to see uh, continue and to, to move forward because that's one of the things I love about faith is that uh, in times of adversity. We really pull together. A uh, couple of things I wanted to say too about um, don't forget about all those other uh, healthcare issues that you have. <clears throat> a lot of my patients, you know, for for legitimate concerns, they've been doing telehealth visits, and telehealth visits are great if your physician is doing that. I would encourage yeah. you to to use that as a adjunct um, to follow up on the other healthcare needs that you have. Um, it can't totally take the place of a face-to-face visit, and there may be some some uh, instances where you need to make that, um, at least keep in touch with your, with your uh, whatever clinic that, that sees you on a regular basis so that you're not ignoring some of those things. I know I've had some patients that uh, avoided that because of health concerns, and they've, um, you know, maybe gotten a little bit behind, maybe medications. Your your physician should be equipped to do that, to give you refills and to do some telehealth visits. And then the other thing is screening. So we have wonderful tools to help us uh, continue to try to mitigate some of the bad effects of, say, cancers uh, is a big one, <clears throat> or even heart disease. You know, just getting, um, you know, just getting that those those intermittent visits to try to um, to screen you for those. Uh, even if you're doing a telehealth visit, you might can still do some lab work and some other tests. I, I think the point now, too, where, uh, you know, if you put off something, that colonoscopy or mammogram or other tests that you would normally get, then uh, now's the time to really get think about getting that and getting back in touch with your physician about that. Because we don't want to have all those other medical conditions that we ignore through this. Um, uh, certainly COVID is a, is a risk, but we need to think about your health care. And then pick something that you can control. This is a big, had a lot of loss of control through all of this, and it's caused a lot of emotional distress and anxiety 
uh, I've been advising my patients, hey, just just pick something that you have control over uh, and try to do better in that area. And it could be helping somebody else. It could be doing something, maybe eating a little bit better or getting out there and getting some exercise with our wonderful weather that we have. Uh, this isn't New York City. We're not all totally in each other's face 24-7. There's a lot of places within the state we can get out in our own neighborhoods, space out, and get some exercise. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.